This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brave. Crystal Palace secured all three points at Sellers Park on Saturday after defeating QPR by three goals to one. Wilfred Zaha, James McArthur and Joel Ward all got on the score sheet for Palace in the first half before Matt Phillips scored an unexplainable goal from 40 yards out as a consolation. Jason Punchin left the ground on crutches after the game yesterday and could miss the Eagles trip to Stoke City on Saturday. Meanwhile, Wilfred Zaha is expected to be out for just a few days as he was also substituted due to injury. Reports have emerged over the weekend claiming that a consortium led by American billionaire Josh Harris are close to completing a takeover of the club. The Financial Times broke the story on Friday evening and since since then sources close to Harris have claimed the deal could be completed as early as Tuesday next week for a reported £90 to £100 million. News in Brave. Previously on Homestale Radio. There's no outlet to news in brief. Something's gone news wrong. News well in brief. Well done. Thanks for that. Brief. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Nobody noticed. Do you think his age goes against him a little bit? I mean, he's 28 now. Um, Nick Gussett. <laughs> yeah. I think that <laughs> is definitely... He's definitely not 28. That is definitely having an effect, his age today, I can tell you. <laughs> My point I was going to make on punching, if, if no one else is going to uh, get anything else, is... What are his England chances? As long as he stops having those sort of first 15 minutes, because he's got yeah. consistency. consistently. Yeah. And stops having off-field antics. That won't go in your favour when we're getting an England call-up. Yeah, no, another good point there as well. And he doesn't he's seem to stop Stephen Gerrard, Wayne Rooney, Rio <laughs> Ferdinand, Ashley Carl. <laughs> For all our contact information and to send us an email, visit H. O-L-Radio.net forward slash contact. Hello and welcome to Homestyle Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I am your host tonight. So we look back at a week that has ended with a huge win at Sellers Park against Chris Ramsey's Queen's Park Rangers. With me tonight are Alex White. Hello. Hello, Alex Penge. Hello. Hello. Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Hey, buddy. And <laughs> Nick Gillard. Hello, Nick. Nick is here. Good. Are you um? Are you finished swearing now? No. All right. Good. Well, more more swearing later. 
Tonight we have Tav producing, which is why we had news in brief at the start of the show for no apparent reason. Uh, he's also the editor of TheEaglesElement.com. Do check that out. Get in touch with the show tonight. Head to holradio.net forward slash contact for all the ways you can do so. And Nick will be in the chat room, which is holradio.net forward slash chat. As are coming up for you, we have our analysis of Palace's 3-1 win over QPR as they blew away the opposition in the storming first half. We'll also be chatting about the HF protest and some takeover talk, which is gathering pace. Um, it would be news in brief here, but instead have some sort of a contact jingle or something. Get in touch with the show. All of our contact details can be found at holradio.net forward slash contact. The Eagles Element. News, views and reviews on Crystal Palace. www.theeagleselement.com I love a VO guy. The Eagles Element. Oh, I wish I could do his voice. I'm going to keep practicing, then we won't have to keep paying him to do that stuff. Um, I've got a few bits of admin to do first. Happy birthday for to yeah. no not two from all at homestone mm, it's gone really badly i'm gonna try it again happy birthday from all at homestone radio to mike clough all the way over in uh, vancouver i hope you have a great day i hope you're having a great day i mean spending it listening to homestone radio in vancouver you clearly know how to have a good time um i'd like to wish a very happy mother's day to all the mothers out there as well was that was that creepy extremely yeah, all right then. It's uh, also also my godson Joey's birthday, so very happy birthday to Joey. Hope you like the radio control Thomas the Tank Engine thing I got you. <laughs> kind of wanted to keep it myself, but apparently, apparently when you're coming on to 35 years old, you're not supposed to. So, And finally, uh, listening for the first time tonight is Will Cove, more commonly known as Chinese Will. I'm sure you'll know him by that name. Um, hello, Will. Thank you for listening. And Will once answered on a quiz machine at the Faroe Islands when near Egypt. Um Obviously confusing Pharaoh and Pharaoh there. Um, but despite this, he, despite this, he's currently actually, he's actually at university. Um, so, and also, he's also famous for being responsible for all the world's problems. And if you want to get involved in that, use the hashtag Will's Fault. Anyway, there you go. That's the admin out of the way. Uh, let's get straight into some game chat. Um, before that game, I have to say I was pretty nervous. Um, it's not, I know, I, we're kind of, we're a different club now, aren't we? Like, than, than we were, but I still can't quite shake the, the old sort of old palace mentality of going into a, a must-win game and that they were potentially going to want it more than us. But um, my, my nerves were unfounded. But, um, you know, we, we've not been great at home and QPR have had a couple of good performances of late. Um, let's start with you, Mr. White. What, what were you thinking before the game? I was reasonably positive. I, I thought... I thought if we could get ahead, I'd feel pretty comfortable. I've seen a lot of a lot of QPR this season, and sort of the the spineless act that they were under under Harry Redknapp, sort of collapsing and going one nil down, and just not showing that fight. And I saw the team sheet, I saw Tarrapt, I saw Wright Phillips. I thought if we can get in, get at them early, that we stand a really good chance of winning the game. But like you said, there being a pessimist is is what Palace fans have to do. Expect expect nothing because anything you know. Yeah, it might make things a little bit better sometimes, but you always believe that. Look, we we've done so well recently. We, we're going to slip up soon, um, and we're going to carry on to slip up at home. But I thought it was a an extremely solid performance. I don't think it was spectacular, but we scored three goals when we didn't play brilliantly, and that's a sign of a Premier League team. It is, and and again, it was just it was a spell in the game, wasn't it? Like it was against West Ham, where. 
you know, we just we just almost went up a couple of gears. That we never used to have these gears. It was, it was other teams against us that used to better go up a couple of gears. But we seem to have that now. We just seem to be able to put a foot on the gas and, and just knock teams away. And we, and we did that brilliantly in the first half against QPR. But I said I did feel I did feel a little, little bit shaky. Um, so I mean, in terms of teams team news, Patrick. Um, obviously the the main well, the I think the only real change was um was Glenn Murray back in place of Gale, and I thought that made a huge difference. Don't you reckon? Without a doubt, um, his whole day play yesterday was absolutely superb. He linked up perfectly with uh, both of our wingers. So um, I just think that um, having up top just has a big difference and the, just a big addition to our team. And if you think about, um, we spoke earlier about the loan spell to uh, Reading, I think it really has helped him not only get his sharpness back, but his fitness level. So I think right now he's definitely primed ready to go. And you can tell from um, Pardue's remarks, he's also happy to have uh, a, a healthy and ready to go, um, Glenn Murray. Because even for that first goal, his his, his link-up play with Belassi for the cross to Paul Wilp when he hit the post was just brilliant. And again, we just we need that. And um, it really is such a difference between the side that played against Southampton and yesterday's side. The, I mean, but the front front three working together, Alex Alex P. This time, um, I, I I was really encouraged to see the way Murray linked up. I mean, it was it was evident in the first goal, which we'll come to a bit later. But just in general, really, Murray's not just a a battering ram up the top there. He's um, you know, he, he's got so... We know he's a clever player, but it's actually his, his ability on the ball, the way he's actually linking up play and making passes and, and yeah, obviously winning those little fouls in there. It's, it just it kind of joins that front three together as a, as a whole unit, doesn't it? It does, and, you know, Murray's very good at holding the ball up. And when you've got, you know, Zaha, Balassi, um in your team, you know, you've got to make sure that you, the ball sticks to you and you've got to try and get them into the game. And in a way, we saw what we saw in the first half of the promotion season, you know, uh, that, that really successful front three, which, you know, propelled us um, at the top, to the top of the league before, well, when Holloway came in. And, you know, it was, it was great to see uh, Murray, you know, settle in and um, hold the ball up really well. And, you know, if you look at our squad, I'd say the only other player who could possibly do that at the moment is, is probably Maran Schumach. But, you know, he's been out of the side, you know, due to, you know, um, him being injured. And Murray coming in, he's, he's, you know, done really well. So, uh, you know, I've been, I was really impressed. And if you figure, we started quite disappointingly the first 15 minutes. Mm. You know, you're thinking, oh, God, you know, it's typical, typical Palace, you know, if you've got that pessimism sort of sets in. But then, you know, if you look at this opposition uh, side, it, they were just really poor. And, you know, with that quality we've got on our side, you know, it was, it, it was plain sailing from, from then on when we got that first goal. Yeah, and we will certainly talk about the standard of the opposition in, in, a, in a little bit. But um, Nick, I want to come to you. I know we've got a, a, an unprecedented 15 people in the chat room, holradio.net forward slash chat, and there's been a bit of contact already on that. Yes. Thanks. That, no, that's fine. Cheers. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> Lions 550. Um, is Patrick over-egging the Yankee accent nowadays? He, he answered the, uh, the call earlier on in a Cockney accent, so I really don't know what he's playing at today. Right, hold, and, on a um, hold on a second. Before you go on, Mr. Mr. Gusset, I am a Yankee. I've been here for 30 years. How do you expect me to speak? Is he a okay. Yankee? No, he's a Londoner, as um, the MC, uh, Rebel MC once said. <laughs> and I think you should okay. stick by that. Booted right, Eagle, back on, back on football track, uh, said he was, a little, he was a little bit unconfident before the game. But when he saw their team, uh, particularly with a rookie up against Yannick, um, it was quite happen. Quite yeah, happy. I mean... 
but Booted Eagle was right to pick that out as a, as a key moment in the game. That matchup between Balassi and uh, Don, uh, Donnell Furlong was um, it was a mismatch completely, and, and Furlong kept drifting inside looking for support, um, but didn't really get any. Uh, Patrick has quite rightly pointed out that unconfident is not a word, Nick, and you are a teacher, and that is unacceptable. But never mind, eh? Okay, um, disconfident, inconfident. <laughs> what is the word, Patrick? Uh, this, you, not confident is the word. We've had this sort of conversation before, Patrick, and you've <laughs> been in America for too long. In fact, my, my, my favourite um, ever bad English is from uh, Ralph Wiggum in The Simpsons, where he said, me fail English, that's impossible. <laughs> Can we get, let's get back to the football. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, my next sort of uh, port of call on this one was to talk, I think, for me, the game was dominated by the performance of our wingers, uh, Balassi and, and Zaha. Um, and I was talking even before the game. I'm sort of, I was, I was saying that there's one or two things will happen. Either QPR will double up on the, um, you know, on the on the wingers like a lot of teams do and try and negate us that way, and Punchin would destroy them, or they'd try and mark Punchin who'd been in such good form, and they'd leave the wingers sort of spare. And I think the the, the latter of those two things happened. I thought that. Um, you know, Punchin was closely watched, and it did leave a lot of space out wide. And both Balassi and Zaha were were superb, in my view. Um, uh, but I, th- I think, well, let, let's talk about those. Um, let's go for Patrick. Go on. We'll start with you. Um, just the general on general general performance of, of Zaha and Balassi. I thought they were both outstanding. But you know, the thing is, I'm trying to think back to when I remember them playing that well together. And it's been a while in the Premier League. I don't really think they played that well together in the same match at the same time. But it was that they were they were great. I like that they didn't swap wings, and I like the fact that you know, um, obviously Wolf was going to terrorize that that furlong kid all match, and he and he stayed on that side. And and Yannick on the other side was really good. So I just think that wing play was great. And just going back to something that Ed Pardew had said, Pardew said, you know, if Koppel's watching that game, he would love the wing play because if you know Steve Koppel. Him and Gordon Hill for Old Man Night side was a, were a brilliant wing combination, and Palace haven't had that combination for a very long time. So, um, you know, the way we play now with the one striker up front is so important to have that wing play. And yesterday it was absolutely fantastic. It was really, really great to see. I did notice that Alan Pardew accidentally name checked Phil Barber when talking yeah. about great wingers, and they couldn't help but laugh. Um, I had to shake my head too. That was awful. Phil Barber's a good yeah. player, but he was not a good winger. <laughs> he wasn't one of the all-time greats <laughs> at Palace, no. No. But, but very funny. Um, Alex White this time. Um, in terms of Zaha's individual performance, um, did you, do you think he looked almost back to, to the Wilf we know and love? I think so. Uh, it's tough, isn't it? Because you don't want to judge a player off of one game, but he seems to have been getting better since Pardew has come in. He's played games consistently, and that's the one thing that we've all said about Wilf, that he just you have to believe in him, you have to give him the games, and, and that's what he's getting. And, and with the competition now, with, with more players more players than ever in our, in our squad, um, it, Wilf has to play well. And if he's given that confidence, then, then absolutely he he has every chance of getting back to where he's going to be. But I think, of course, I was going to name drop Glenn Murray at this point. He really helped get Balassi and Zaha into into strong attacking positions. Both goals, although the pass for the second one wasn't great by Murray, it still allowed the ball to be broken down a bit and Wilf's got the ball out wide and come in. He really brought those two into the game and Wilf coming across to the back post, they said that was something that, that they worked on in the week. I've always said, if, if our wingers get 
seven, eight goals between them, we stand a really good chance of getting in the top ten because if as soon as your wingers start scoring goals, we're scoring goals from defence. Scott Dan's got a few. We're getting goals up front. We stand a really good chance of pushing up the table if the wingers yeah. can start getting a few goals. No, and you're, you're right as well. And, and They're both being more direct, uh, and that's really noticeable under Pardew. Since Molasti's um, come back from Africa, the African Nations, he, he did that interview, didn't he? He said he, yeah. he feels he's matured as a player so much. And sometimes, you know, he knows now, just get your head up and whip that ball in, especially when you've got Murray in the box, somebody to aim at. Well, not just that. You think about the fact the crosses he's playing in, they're left-footed crosses. He wasn't doing that before. He was cutting back onto the right and swinging the ball in. Uh, but now he's playing quality balls in with his left foot, not just the occasional success with you know a, a swing of the left foot, a bit of luck maybe. You can tell he's worked on that. He's worked on delivery. And being able to cross on the run is a, good, is a, is a tough enough skill as it is. But being able to cross like he did for the first goal on the run um, is, is fantastic. And talking of the sort of subject of the wingers working with Murray, uh, we got a tweet in from the farm banker. That's, that's Matt who says uh, the way Murray let the ball run through his legs to play Will Fulham was awesome but just to point out he spelt his he's as in H-E apostrophe S so I mean that's also unacceptable isn't it um, don't really know what to think about that it was a good message but I mean you've spelt that I, I'm not happy uh, Tony Pierce has got in touch and said that oh no I'm not even going to read that because it doesn't make any sense to anyone Tony stop <laughs> it um, Alex Pench uh, last word on the wingers like well, I've, it, what else? What, what else is there to say, really? Because well, I think, let's, let's talk about the fact that Wilf got a goal, brave, wasn't it? Well, well, I think he was playing against a poor, a poor player, but it was a positive Wilf, which is something that we've sort of lacked at the, at the beginning of the season, and he sort of grew into each game um, under Pardew, and you know he's been a lot more positive. He's cutting in on his left foot a little bit more than he did in the beginning of the season, and you know it, he's combining really well with 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 Balassi. I think at times. I would have loved to see Blassi switch to right um, earlier on in the season, but now he's sort of made that position his own, cutting in from the left-hand side. And, you know, with you know, the likes of MacArthur um, and, and Ledley sort of uh, contributing as well um, in terms of goals, you know, it's, it's positive. I think we saw a stat on Match of the Day that um, I think we were one of the top four sides in the division to have as diff- um, the amount of different scorers. I think uh, we got. I think it was twenty-one different or sixteen different different scorers in this squad this season, and I know in January we were looking, we were desperate for a striker. If we had that striker in, would we be playing the same way? Probably not. You know, in a way, I think there's a lot of good team spirit in this side, and you know, it'll be quite difficult to see what Pardew does in the summer. Whether he does invest in this in this big striker, which we, you know, a lot of Palace fans were crying out for. Yeah, it's, it's it's a really good point, and um, yeah, I, well, both Nick and, and Patrick want to respond to that. Um, so I'll shut up. Pat, uh, Nick first. I, I loved um, Murray's flick-ons to the right um, to to Wilf. Uh, QPR just didn't know what to do with him. I, I think actually as well, Punction played a blinder yesterday, and it was only when Punction and Wilf went off. Uh, that I think we we went downhill a bit. Although I'd like to think that it's next Palace player Clint Hill that had a bit to do with QPR coming back into it. But I'm sure we'll come back onto that later. Mm. But um, yeah, apparently BMW means Belassi Murray Wilf. Um, it makes much more I sense. Didn't I didn't I didn't know that instantly. You know, yeah, something that's been referenced before. But yeah, <laughs> hashtag BMW. Um, but yeah, QPR just didn't know what to do with them, did they? I've, I've never seen a poor poorer team as QPR were in the first half. To be fair. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't 
massively like the um, the constant references to how bad QPR were because I think it does us a bit of a disservice. But they really, I mean, they they took some risks with their selection, which I'll, I'll talk about in a bit. Um, Will Will Cove, who's he's, he's still contact, contacting us despite my abuse of him earlier on, and um, he's saying great goal from Zaha. Shame someone put the post there. Hashtag Will's fault. <laughs> um, but it was one hell of a hell of a collision. Um, very very quickly, I just wanted to make the point also that um, you know on that first goal we've got both uh, Alan sorry both Alan Pardew, Yannick Bellassi, and Will Zaha all made reference to the fact that in training. Pardew's been on at them about when when one winger's sort of going, going down one wing, the other winger has to get in the box because we're playing with one forward. And it's something that we've talked about on Homestay Radio a few times. Um, and it, it's weird because it kind of re- reminded me of the playoffs when um, uh, Ian Holloway said the same thing. He'd been on at Wilf to get across his fullback and get in. And it's it's sort of history repeating itself in that they have a conversation about it. Wilf does it and Wilf scores. So what, what he's got to do is keep doing those things. Because um, we do need an extra an extra threat in there, and we do need that. Um, you know, we do need the wingers to, to to get to make an additional striker when the when the ball's out on the other side. Um, Nick, yeah, you're you're right in saying that we, we did say that on match of the day. Yeah, um, sorry, Patrick. Yes, it's, um, but you know what I, I think is interesting also is the move of of punch into the middle. It allows both Wolf and Yannick to start, and the fact that they both start, they're both very similar, they're both direct, and they're both so quick. You mentioned that before, Chris, how you thought that when Punch was on the outside, he slowed the play down. And I agree with you on mm. that. But yeah. now having him in the middle to spray the balls around and have those two guys on the outside, the, the, the two fast guys, has made a huge difference in the way that we play. In addition to that, you mentioned uh, Wolf getting in at the back post. On the second goal, MacArthur crashed and got in. And that's, we haven't seen that a lot with that third, that inside midfielder, Sergio Riffler, getting in the box too. So you can tell that a lot of things that, and I, I'll give credit to this, Pardew is an excellent, you can tell he's an excellent coach, uh, you know, for the player because he, he sees a weakness or he sees something work on it. and you can tell they work on set plays they work on certain things and then you can see it in the games and they're going to be much better because you know, I think Ian Wright mentioned that he'll make certain players better players he'll see what they need to work on so you can tell that we're going to be a better team because of the way that um, Pardew uh, trains the players I think that's uh, something to really look forward to rest of this season obviously for next season yeah, you're right. Right, has said that a few times on various um, forms of media about how right. as soon as Pardew was appointed as, as Palace manager, he just he knew that he would get hold of certain players uh, and turn them into better players. And he's definitely doing that with the wingers. And you can tell he yeah. really likes that that option. And yeah. we've been crying out for it. We've been crying out for it ever since we went up and, with Balassi on one wing and Zaha on <laughs> the other and tore teams apart. You know, and then we had you think about it that that front three is the front three that tore <laughs> apart. To, to everyone yeah, for apart sure. for promotion, it's what we—it's yeah. kind of like it never had an opportunity to function at Premier League level, and now it does. And when you think you've got Punchin behind it playing superbly, and you've also got Marouane Schmack waiting in the wings to sort of get to get a go when he's fit, which should be next week. Um, when you start looking at our team, and it's so many of them have now proved themselves Premier League players, and not just not just low level Premier League players, quality Premier League players that we look one hell of a team at the moment. And I'm just, I'm keep trying to get used to it. I keep expecting the worst. And when I say us play, even when we play, play badly, we're competitive uh, with everyone really. Um, and it, it's just such a refreshing change. We're talking about a team that's, that's looking up and not looking down at this stage of the season. Um, so yeah, we I mean, just a, a quick summary up to that first goal. Really, it was a scrappy first half, and I, I would say even very early on, QPR did look like a team that was low on belief. And I think 
a few moments from Terrapt, which was quite a surprise that he started, but he had a few moments and so Austin was looking isolated though, so you kind of thought the only real danger from them was you know, was had, had been cut off very well by us and after a couple of dangerous moments, we did uh, Murray did collect the ball back to goal, and it was a sort of an outside of the put, outside of the put, outside of the foot mm. pass <laughs> uh, into Balassi, who then drilled that cross in, and uh, you know Will for the back post and, and hurt himself. But it was a, it was a great great goal. I mean, I really did love to see that goal. But the second goal was quite similar, wasn't it, Mister Penge? You had um, Lady play it out to uh, to Yannick Balassi, quick shift sort of, and then and then ball in and sort of deflected yeah. by Green into into Macarthur. Easy yeah. goal in the end, but well worked. Yeah, definitely, and um, you know, just shows again going back to Blassi that how much you know cutting edge he's got this season, and something that he's learned from you know his 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 travels and in in Africa for the African Nations Cup, being the sort of the main man for Congo, and he just looks a lot more decisive, and I think most of the teams on the same page at the moment, you know, with you know Muzza, you know, dumbing the ball for the first goal. Um, MacArthur getting into those positions that we you want to see players, you know, from midfield getting into. Um, you know, it's it's very positive, but we've got you know not get carried away. You know, we we did play against a poor a poor team, and um, you know that back four. You know, if you back four was just completely ancient. You know, with the likes of Hill, on on newer. Um, you've got a young, untested fullback in Furlong and and Yun, who's not looked the greatest in the Premier League. So, it, it's I'm I'm you know I'm looking forward to you know the tougher tests, um, you know, the likes of Liverpool, Man City, to see whether how much how much we've sort of progressed, um, you know, especially um, under Pardew. Um But you know, it's very positive, and you know they were there for the, they were up for the taking there, weren't they? Yeah. After that second goal winning. They were indeed. I, I, yeah, I know what you're saying about um, testing yourselves against the better teams. For me, the most recent test against Arsenal, we, we came out of that we, okay with no points, but that was when it st- almost started to turn for me because I just we actually outplayed them at times, well, for quite a long periods of the game, um, and it was the best performance I've seen against a top side from a Palace team in a, in a long, long time. Um, you know, they're neither of the goals should have counted and. Yeah, I mean that's that's when I started to sort of believe a bit more that we're not just going to stay in the division, but we can start building and and looking forward. And it just every every week I seem to get there's, there's more and more signs that are pushing us in the right way. Feeling very very positive at the moment. Nick, yeah, um, chat in the chat, um, wholeradio.net slash chat is saying we dodged a bullet by not getting Defoe. Yeah, well, certainly, yeah. When you when you consider that he's got a couple of goals for Sunderland, when you consider the price that he came with, yeah, we absolutely did. There's a few bullets dodged, you know. Connor Wickham, um, although been playing mainly as a wide player for Sunderland, you know, he's not exactly set the world alight. There's uh, Gomez, who we actually matched the asking price for, uh, but Swansea sort of because they so so Bonnie changed their minds, got away with that one as well, really, because mm, you know it, it's, it's it's odd. We it's odd to think that. And I didn't believe it. I'll be honest. I've said it on this show enough times. I didn't believe that that Glenn Murray was the solution. But you know, there he is. He's, he's in the front line, and all of a sudden, he is the solution. Um, Long term, absolutely. You know, we've got to do something up front. We've got to we've got to get someone else in. But um, you know, just, who's um, to say he's not good for another couple of seasons yet? He just reads the game. Why did you well, just? Why did you stop talking? On a different page to everybody else. I don't know what happened there, Nick, but you stopped talking and then you just said the same thing. Mm, how confusing. But you're right, he does read the game so well. It's what he lacks up in what he lacks for in speed, um, he makes up for in absolute tactical nows and he knows where every player is on the pitch, I think. 
and the, the work rate. I'd love to see the Optimus stats for him. Just tracking back, getting forward, holding the ball up, winning fouls. I know you mentioned the winning fouls earlier on, but he's it was just it was just fucking immense yesterday. I told you I'd swear, <laughs> but you know yeah, I needed that for the emphasis. Yeah, no, he was, and and he's you he always think he's um in set pieces. He's always clearing the ball at the near post as well. It's a really good. Mm. That's that's sort of his role in the in the um you know in in the sort of back setup when we're defending a set piece. It's really great. To, so um he just does everything, but. You know he he is, I think what thirty one. He has had a very serious injury, um, and you we are we are, we do play a squad game. And you think if, if Murray's not it, we saw it against Southampton. You know a few injuries, Murray not available, uh, and we struggled. So it doesn't you know his form doesn't mean we're not going to keep looking uh, and not not looking for other options. Uh, the third goal's got to be worth a discussion. Let me just check if there's anything for there is a me again from Nick. Sorry, I'll, I'll talk to you about the third goal in a minute. But um, somebody in the chat room said Murray's doing well because the whole team's doing well, and and that makes a a big difference, a real big difference. Yeah, but maybe yeah. the team did well because Murray's doing well. Maybe Murray's the way you're doing well. You're doing so well. The other way around. Chicken and egg. I like that idea. I like that. Sa- I like the sound of that. Murray's doing well, which makes the team do well. Right, that's what yes. I, I really believe. I really do believe that. I knew you'd agree, Alex. That's why I said it. But uh, I agree as well. I, I think I've said at the top of the show that I think Murray's the sort of the glue in that front three that, that binds it all together. It, it's not. You look at how much more comfortable Wilf was with Murray up there. He just he didn't have to look. You know, he could make a run. He knew that Murray would find him, or if he had the ball, he knew where Murray was going to be. And there were times when when the two linked amazingly, and Belassi looked really comfortable with, with Murray's movement as well. It genuinely, it, has to, it is down to, to Murray at the moment. Um, but, if, but that doesn't mean everyone isn't playing well. That's, that, that's still a true statement. But um, we look so much more dangerous. The two games that Murray's played up front, uh, West Ham and, and obviously now against QPR, we, just, we look a totally different prospect. Uh, Nick, first, then you, Patrick. And, that, and that's just reiterating what I was saying, him knowing, look at how Murray played well with... Gale runs. Um, oh, well, hashtag Nick, hashtag Potty Mouth. Thanks, Lucy, Juicy Lucy. Um, no, and he, he, he just knows. I don't know about Gel knows. He's Mur- hashtag Murray knows. He knows where they are, um, which which makes you wonder what's going to happen with Shemak when when he's fit and well. It does make you make you wonder to well to a point, but I mean, you don't you don't drop anyone when they're playing well. That's what you don't do, isn't it? So at the moment. Marion Schmack is a bench player, and I hate to say that because I know when we've had Terence on, he says similar things that you don't you have, you have to play your best player, and I do I do agree with that as a statement. Other than the fact that punching is having such a huge effect on the game, you can't drop him, and that's essentially where Marion Schmack is going to play. So the only other option is sticking him up top, and you wouldn't you wouldn't drop him, you wouldn't drop Murray for him at the moment either. Um, the, 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 the thing is though, we when Belas, uh, sorry Wilf and punching came off. I look, when I looked at the bench at the start of the game, I thought, we've got no midfielders on, forgetting that Gail has been playing out left. Mm. But, I, you know, we, we did look a bit short in the midfield, I thought. Yeah. Patrick? Patrick? The, the, sorry, sorry, Patrick. Oh, go, no, go on, go on, Patrick. Uh, Alex first. I'm no, just, just saying, <laughs> the, the problem we're talking about, having Shamak and who, who we're going to play, this just shows that I believe that we just, we're a Premier League side now. We are, because every, every established Premier League side has this issue, has this problem, and we're going in saying, we, we, 
we kind of have our 11 players that we should pick every week and, and, and you know that and that should be it but we've come so far and it's so good just to say look let's put Schumacher on the bench although probably he's technically our best footballer in the side but let's put him on the bench let's, and that is such a great problem to have and got some thing more is, contacts on this, but yeah, sorry, Patrick. Got some more contracts is, on this, but you, you first, sure. and then and Alex P. Yeah, just real quick. The other thing is, I mean, I, I don't worry about those kind of things yet because, again, unfortunately, with Punch getting hurt yesterday with a dead leg and Pardew said he'd be out next match, that gives a perfect opportunity there for Shamak to fit right back in. But my original thought was actually on the play of Wilf with a with a Ward on the right side. They had a great connection uh, when we were in the championship, and I just noticed having Ward at right back yesterday. He and Wilf worked linked up so well yesterday. And it just really opened up. I mean, the third goal, obviously, we'll get to later on. But the third goal was, was such a great interplay between Wolf and Ward. And you saw that in the championship also when they were playing together. So I think the fact that we've got players playing in the right position, they're playing, you know, guys, seven guys from last, from last year's team or championship team, sorry, were in the team yesterday or are still part of our team. It just shows that camaraderie and that, that familiarity is really helping us out a lot. Yeah, I, I agree with Patrick, you know, and, and Alex, and that, you know, now we've got we've got quite a good squad for a, a team in the bottom half of the table. If you look at our side, um, you know, we've got two good players in each position. Um, you know, players are taking, you know, their chances whenever, you know, they're in the side. You know, now Martin Kelly's, you know, um, in the side um, over Soiree, you know, our, our, our big signing in January. And you've got lots of options in midfield and you've, we've had, you know, different strikers have different spells in the side. You know, at one point of the season we had Campbell score some goals, we had Gale score some goals. You know, Shamak started the season really well. It's, it's really encouraging if you compare us to teams around us. And, you know, I think we as Palace fans need to stop being pessimistic and we need to be more positive and just accept that we are now an established Premier League side and could, you know, could go on and could continue that status as, you know, a team, you know, you know, in uh, in the Premier League for a number of seasons, and um, I just it just obviously don't, you know due to the history of the club, you know we naturally got that pessimistic pes- pessimistic sort of edge about us. But you know we've got the players in this side that are good enough at this level. We have it's, it's developed amazingly. I'll just come to you in a sec, Nick. Very quickly on Murray, um, Lee Ward got in touch saying he's proving he is in fact good enough for the Premiership, uh, looking much more of a threat with him and Wilf Bless um, uh, with him, Wilf and Bellassi going forward. Uh, just to correct you there, Lee, Premiership it's actually Premier League. Uh, That's rugby. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, got on, got an email. Got an email in. Got an email in from uh, KJB who says Glenn's dummy to Zaha was worth the entrance fee. On its own, Nick. Yeah, it was. It was interesting that we did well with our championship players yesterday, and and it just Burnley did well yesterday. They haven't bought too many players in, have they? And it, it's the the teams that have come up that have spent a fortune on strikers that are actually doing quite badly. We're we're sticking with the players who know each other and, and know the way the Crystal Palace play, and we we seem to be doing quite well out of it. It's funny, I was talking on the uh, Homestead Online message boards earlier on in the week um, about, if you look at Leicester, bottom of the table, sort of seemingly adrift, uh, their two strikers, um, Kremerich and Joa, the combined fee of £17 million plus wages. Yep. You, you double mm. up the wages, you're probably talking Crazy. about 80, 90 grand a week yeah. um, over the course of five years. If you, if they, you could offer that deal to one player, but you know, obviously not that, not that a player worth that much money would, would join them. But when you're talking about that sort of money being spent and then being bottom of the league, it just goes to show you how the, the, you know, there's, there's other factors in play. There's getting the right players with the right attitudes, players who are hungry to succeed, which is what we kind of specialise in, and 
more importantly, it's about keeping and you know a team spirit that you do get. If you get momentum, if you get togetherness, you've got to protect that, and um, that's what's really pleasing about our current situation. And that's that's what um, what's his face is bringing into Villa now. They've got the same players. They seem to be mm-hmm. hitting form at the right time. Old Puyé at Sunderland hasn't got that, and they're they're falling apart, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, but we were we were just about to talk about the third goal, weren't we? Um, before we got sidetracked on a brilliant little tangent there. Um, so, third goal was Joel Ward's first goal for Palace, which <laughs> was quite surprising, really. But yeah. I can remember him going incredibly close on several occasions, not least, um, was it away at Chelsea last year where he sort Man of drew on bottom corner? Man City, Arsenal sorry. Yeah. Home. Man City. Arsenal, Arsenal at home, yeah. Oh. yeah. So many, so in, you know, in big games, he's got so close. But um, and if anything, he's he's scored with a bit of a weak shot, really, isn't he? Uh, but what was really pleasing about it was um, Zaha had already taken that horrible knock, scoring the goal, but he was still going, still, um, and, and it still mm. managed to hold off three players <laughs> playing sort of a one-two reward, and just played him in at the perfect moment. And he's only literally just had to get his foot, his, his left foot on it to give it a bit of curl and just drift in that corner, but. Obviously, really, really great play from Zaha. We praised him, but what a, what a good goal from for Ward getting forward. Very impressed with that. And um, you know, it's, it's only one, one more deserving of a goal, Nick. I actually jumped up and started singing the Joel Ward, Joel Ward, Joel Ward, Joel Ward <laughs> song in the stand, and people were looking at me like I was some weirdo. And they were right. <laughs> they were right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, not, exa- not exactly a rasping shot anyway but that was um, yeah I was really pleased to see him do that um, I'm going to stop for a moment while I'm just trying to get my bearings on what we're going to talk about next I'm just going to mention the fact that we did do a um, a premium show a uh, fundraising podcast to raise money for ourselves which was to um, help pay our streaming costs for the for this season and hopefully summer next season, and um, but also to raise a bit of money for Eagle Heights. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's um, it was good, wasn't it, Nick? It was fun, fun to do. Yes, um, I'm, I'm still haven't recovered from it. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> five hours on the spin. It was um, yeah, it was my, five my, hours. My, uh, and... my broadcast seat has still got the kind of shape of my bottom in it. <laughs> so long. Yeah. We we were there a long time, and um, it, it was there's a lot of value in it. People seem to have really enjoyed it. It's a little bit different from what we do on this show. Uh, there was plenty of football talk. There was a look back at the four years of Homestay Radio, and there were random chats, like twenty minute conversation on how to make tea. Um, you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> sounds it was better than it sounds. Put it that way. But lots lots of things to laugh at, and we've had some great support on that. I want to thank each and every person who has purchased it. It's just a pound. If you go to horadio.net forward slash premium uh, and see what that's all about don't feel any obligation to do it but if you do we really do appreciate it and um it's been going well and in about a week's time we'll uh, we'll do our first sort of donation to eagle heights uh 20 of the proceeds and, and see how it goes but we've done we've done really well on it i'm very very happy uh, about how that's gone shields so um let's let's talk about a bit more about the game i thought qpr selection seemed a bit odd um i, I couldn't quite when they said Sean Wright Phillips was playing, I thought mm. I'd gone back a few years and it was throwback, throwback to the noughties. Yeah, he hadn't he hadn't mm. started a Premier League game in two years, um, so it seemed an odd game to do that when it's a must win. I suppose it shows a degree of desperation. Um, would you? Would well? I think is that fair, Alex White? I I don't know. He obviously he proved himself many many years ago that he was a he was a good Premier League player. But I I thought about it and thought. 
I if he was in my squad, I would have said you're in the reserve. I'd rather play a seventeen-year-old, someone that's actually going to give a give a crap. He just, I just, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing from him. He was so far off the pace. And if you can see that in training, and you're Chris Ramsey, and you pick him, that says a lot for me. That says a lot for me about Tony Fernandez's dream manager. <laughs> damning, damning words from Alex White there. Specialises them. Alex Penn, have you got any more sympathy, or are you just as harsh as Alex White? Oh, even more harsh, you know. They they were just <laughs> completely past it. Most of that eleven, it, it completely <laughs> baffles me that someone like Ryan Phillips, um, Onua, uh, Clint Hill, dare I say, it, you know, no matter, I know he's a legend for us, but he's not good enough at, at Premier League level. And you could say that some Championship sides are probably a better, better sides than QPR at the moment. You look at Derby, you look at Bournemouth. I reckon they'd probably, you know, put more of a fight than, than QPR did uh, in you know yesterday. Um, it's quite sad, but you know, we got there's no room for sentiment for us. You know, we're a Premier League side, and they're a Championship side at best, uh, going by how they looked yesterday. Well, if they Tra- go down, they could end up being a conference side pretty quickly. Alex, sorry. Terraps look quite good, actually, when yeah, he I touches agree. the ball. But when you're in a relegation battle, he's just the last man that you actually want. When you're going away to Selhurst Park, why would you start with Terraps? You just get a man that's going to put in a few crunching tackles, get in your faces a bit. Not that a man, you know, if he gets bodied off the ball by Joe Ledley, he's not going to care for the rest of the game. And that, and that was just a ridiculous decision and and that's the naivety of, of somebody employing somebody that's never managed a game of football in his life until this season yeah indeed um we've got plenty to cover i just want to very quickly go back over um some of the contact that we've had in regarding glenn murray i know fame famous sorry no it was uh, <laughs> uh my my twitter screen has frozen at the worst possible moment uh if there's any way i could Oh, that's a bad time. I think it was Paul Martin who said that could we get Kevin Doyle back to clean his boots? No, it was Phil Morgan. Phil Morgan. Oh, I'm sorry. So I got P, P and M. Kevin Doyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was upsetting. It's unfrozen now. That's good news, isn't it? Um, famous um, CPFC has said um, that's at famous CPFC has said Zaha's awareness is much better. He's thinking not so much about his own game, and the assist for Ward proves this. Yeah, he said similar on Balassi just before that. These first touch leading up to the first goal was superb and direct and shows he's getting the basics right now. So praise for both the wingers there, and, and, from, and, and rightly so. Um, hmm. Lots of forward reviews coming in there. But, uh, oh, hang on. My mum's 81st birthday today for Matt, the farm banker. She still watches footy on telly. Can you say hello, Connie? Hello, Connie. Hello, okay. Connie. Patrick, you said that in a bit of a patronising way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like listening, to, like listening to Simon Bates. <laughs> Simon Bates. Oh, um, Nick will tell you after the show, Never Patrick. Mind, exactly. No. So, so it's like listening to Howard Stern. Oh, there you go. I well, know Howard. Well, no, it is. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, okay, we are, we are going to talk very shortly about the, the HF protest, and then we are going to talk... After that, about the takeover stuff. My God, and it's already just gone 20 to 9. How are we going to fit it all in? Um, second off, I just thought the game was, was dead, really. Palace killed it really very, very well indeed. The injuries disrupt. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. To the rhythm, and uh, I did notice a comment about that uh, from the chat room, Nick, about the fact that the injuries disrupted us. Yes, yes. Uh, some some miscreant called Booze said, uh, I hate to <laughs> say it, but we missed Punction when he went off. The free roll seems to suit him at last. And uh, I was saying that yesterday yeah. as well. It was... It's, he just seems a much better player. And he's so so flipping hard, whereas most players would have been stretched off. He spent 20 minutes hobbling down the touchline to come off the pitch rather than, you know, that's how hard he is. Indeed, indeed. And for Boo to change his, uh, well, well, no, he's, he's always been fair on punching as Boo. Um, but, uh, yeah, certainly, he's, we, I, I totally agree that we have found a role that, that suits him and is, is getting the best out of him and enabled him to to step up uh, to another level. And, and he doesn't go missing in games anymore in that centre. He's always involved, isn't he? Which is really nice to see. And, be, and because he's in there, Ledley's dropped back a bit deeper and seems mm. to be playing well there. Yeah, I, I mean, you've got, you got to think Ledley's... Um, he, had a, he had a decent enough game. You've got to think Ledley's place is the one at threat when um, Jedinak comes back from suspension, which is another thing to consider. But um, we've we, we obviously got to give a bit of time to talking about QPR's goal from Matty Phillips. Um, it was, he's a very, very good player. A lot of Blackpool fans would tell you he's, he was the better player out of him and Ince, um, even when Ince was at his best at, at Blackpool. But Phillips is someone who's promised an awful lot for a long period of time, but he was very poor uh, in that game up until the point he scored that goal. It was just an absolutely stunning strike. Um, I haven't seen anything better, Patrick. For a long time. Um, first, he's not better than Ince, by the way, in my opinion. Ince is better than him. But um, the th- the, it's a 43-yard shot. Um, the ball, I watched the ball in slow motion. It never, it never rotated. It just stayed on its. It just. I saw the Nike. Um, logo the entire time and Jules was actually ready for the shot you could tell Jules was set for the shots and hit inside the crossbar it's the best goal I've ever seen at, at um, Sellers Park I know people talking about the Kasami. last year Kasami's goal last year and I can, you could argue either one but I just thought the distance um, the, the, the movement on the ball it was a brilliant goal it was it was fantastic it really was great shot. I can't imagine seeing it in person what it must look like it was um, I mean f- f- from my perspective I just think that the ball's over, isn't it? The ball's going. It's a, it's a long-range strike, and it's going over all the way until, right. until probably a quarter of a second before it hits the back of the net, off the underside of the bar. No, no, exactly. you know what I'm saying. It was. I mean, I can hear a lot of typing noise. So someone's forgotten to mute when they type. There Not me. Yeah. Look at that. That's what I'm like pre-show, by the way, everyone. I'm always shouting at all of them, telling them off for stuff. And I accidentally let it on air there, so I'm very sorry about that. Um, I'll tell them that you like playing cribbage. <laughs> Shut up. Don't tell them that. That's a secret. Damn it. I do like playing cribbage. It's good. Um, but, yeah, uh, obviously, mostly tongue-in-cheek on the goal. A few people were saying... Um, 
that's that Hennessy's told her and what it got there and all that kind of crap. Um, <laughs> just, just, yeah, just to put it, even though they're clearly, I think, clearly joking. Yeah. It's not. A, I don't think there's anything to talk about in terms of Julian Speroni's position uh, or anything like that. I think it's completely understandable that that ball went in the net. What I would say is. Um, I thought it was really good to see part, the way Pardew managed that question uh, before the game when he was asked, would Hennessy get a chance because Baroni's made, made a couple of mistakes. And um, the, the, I think a reporter said to him, you know, no one's untouchable. And Pardew just looked straight at him and said, right. at the moment, he is. He's our number one. And the thing is, it's, he's not, whether he believes 100% that Baroni's not a fault and has been playing brilliantly, blah, 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 doesn't really matter because right. because he said that. That's a huge boost to Julian Speroni. It shows respect. Uh, it gives Speroni the best possible backing to go out there and put the mistakes behind him and to sort of deliver the same performances we've been expecting of him from years. I was really, really thought happy to see that. And I thought, I thought it was, you know, I think that will make a huge difference to Speroni as well. I think he'll appreciate that. Um, Nick, I think you've got something to say. Yeah, back to that goal. Um, it's one of the few goals where. Um Lots of people applauded an opposition goal. And I, I've been going, it's my 40th year going to Sellers this year. And I, I think Kasami's goal last season is the only one that comes close to matching it for, for sheer um, for sheer brilliance. I mean, people will refer back to the Beckham goal, but that was against Wimbledon. Um, yeah. So it doesn't really count. Um, but, but what a bloody goal. It was as good as Ambrose's. And um, Phillips just woke up and seemed to be the, the catalyst for everything that QPR did after that. Mm. I thought... Yeah, no, I think that's a completely fair comment. Um, and yes, Baroni had to make a really good save from him not too long up uh, before the mm. end of the game either. Got two good hands to it and tipped it around. But um, they only really started playing in those last 20 minutes. But we'd, you know, we'd taken our foot off the gas and we'd taken a couple of key players off by that point as well. Mm. So, I mean, I don't think there's any danger of saying that, that, you know, that, they, that they were underperforming against us and then you know, showed their true colours. I think we, we just let them back into the game at the last moment. I don't think that's, there's, there's too much to it. Um, very, very quick comment on um, on Charlie Austin. A lot of attention before the game was on him, <laughs> on him as, a, as a you know potential England striker and how great he's been and all this kind of crap. And a lot of people have said in the past that Charlie Austin's a player we should have signed and, you know, that he's he's the natural, a natural replacement for sort of Glenn Murray or something like that. Um, he looked isolated, but again... You know, you can imagine if Murray was playing in that team, I, I think he probably would have um, would have got a bit more involved. Alex, what Penge, what did you make of uh, Charlie Austin's performance? It was it was isolated, but you know, it was a bit nervy last fifteen minutes, and he did have a few chances, didn't he? Um, um, he was getting into positions, um, but you know, which wasn't his day. And I, you know, I personally, if they went down and there was a chance to sign him, I'd I'd love to have someone like Charlie Austin at the club because I just think he'd be the perfect player for our current system you know with our two wingers you know, he's good at the air so you know I, I was disappointed with him but to be honest I'm glad that I was disappointed with him because you know I don't want to see Charlie Austin scoring goals at Sellers Park and you know he, he just he just looked completely anonymous and um, just just talking about that last 15 minutes you know I think you know we, it was strange seeing Mar- Mariapa come on um, playing cent- central midfield I know we've got you know limited options in that area you know due to the uh, suspension of Yednak and, and a few injuries but you know we really did you know um, you know, we really did bring on a lot of pressure. Um, you know, it was, it was a bit nervy. I think they had a few chances, they had a few corners, and um, you know, and at one point, I know 
Palace fans were Ole and uh, the QPR uh, players' passes, which was which was quite funny. But you know, I felt like that's, <laughs> I felt like you know, lucky we didn't feel like idiots that they didn't get that second goal because you know it would have been a nervy a nervy last five minutes mm. um, because they were growing into the game and actually they just ran out of time. Um, you know, in the last ten minutes. Uh, a couple of bits of comment from there, Nick. Um, yes, indeed. Um, Hamzy says he thinks we'll get Austin in the summer if he wants to stay in London. Um, and somebody just put something in so it scrolled out. Um, J-Dog3 <laughs> said Charlie Austin was totally nondescript. He was totally nondescript. Alex, so he called you... Alex White. <laughs> Missing Charlie Austin. Last seen Scott Dan's pocket. Indeed. Well, I mean, that, that sort of leads us nicely onto the next discussion, really. Um, who was man of the match? Uh, Balassi was given it on TV. Um, obviously, two assists, I think, played a, um, a part there. Uh, James McCarthy had a very, very good game, as he often does, consistently an excellent player. Wilf was brilliant until he went off, and, and we saw plenty of effort in from him. Nobody underperformed at all, but I thought Scott Dan. Scott Dan was yeah. absolutely immense. Nothing got Outside. through him. He played one pass in that game, didn't he? Volleyed pass just straight straight to Brilliant. the straight out wide. It's just oh my word. Um he is one hell of a player. He really is. Mm. Um you know, I think a few people laughed not that long ago when Steve Parrish put him in his all time best palace eleven. But you know, he hangs around a couple more years. I think a fair few more people will be doing that. But um anyone else got anything different views of who was man of the match? I thought Joe Ward had a very good game. Um, I think he looked a lot more confident, a lot more comfortable on the ball, a lot more comfortable going forward, which is nice to see because um, he hasn't done that for for a long time, really. Probably this season, not not since last season. Last remember that Chelsea game where he ran down the left wing and crossed it in. But you haven't really seen that from Maldi this year. But it's nice to see his confidence getting back. And when you're playing mm. against the poor side like QPR, who allowed us to get the ball wide, it was a perfect opportunity for sort of him to get back to his best. And, and I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Mm. It's interesting you talk about QPR allowing us to get wide. I think we talked in the again. I think it was when Terence was on. We were talking about why we struggled at home this year, uh, and he was saying because teams are approaching it in a different way. QPR had to win that game, didn't they? Um, and I think the fact that they came they came out trying to set up an attacking way just mm. let us play right through them. And I think that that was certainly an impact there. But going back to men of the match, um, Nick. Yep, um, Coach Matt says Belassi. Dweeb uh, thought that MacArthur was good. Some iffy bloke called Tony Pierce said Scott Dan. Um, somebody else said um, it's funny how Kelly's started looking good now. We got Soiree in, uh, but Coach Matt doesn't um, doesn't uh, rate him. Mm. Lucy says Punchin was man of the match. Uh, we were worse when he went off. Uh, James Marshall says mine was Matriapa and then corrects himself to Mariapa. But I think Adrian Matriapa is a much better name. So I'm going to go with that from now on. Uh, but Mariapa, Mariapa did come off the bench and do relatively well and secure things up. Mm. I couldn't work out where he'd come off the bench and p- to actually play initially. Um, in fact, I'm still not completely sure where he played. But um, yeah, he certainly um, did, did a good job in there. Uh, just trying to think we've got anyone else. Robert CPSC just- went for Wilf, didn't they? Go on. Can I just say we had so many players that were on their game yesterday that QPR didn't know what to do. And we've got a team now where we've got the likes of Balassi and Punction and Wilf who can all run up players and make them shit their pants. If you've got three mm. players like that in a line going forward, the opposition aren't going to know what to do. When Wilf went off, we had um, Gail come on and, and sort of did a similar thing. And 
it's, I, I was a bit worried that we had Balassi um, punctured and Wilfon at the start because it, it didn't give us the opportunity to change things if we needed to if things weren't quite going our way. That was that was a mm. bit of a worry. Yeah, I don't understand where you're coming from on that. But um, no, I'd, I'd rather sort of stick to the point you made at the very, very start, which was that nobody underperformed at all. Um, and that more to the point, we have so many players that are now causing other teams' problems. It's nice that we're starting to make, you know, we've, we've changed from a team that worries about how the opposition are playing and we try and make opposition worry about how we're playing. And I think that's, that is the way forward for us. Um, I was going to ask you what you thought Sonogo's chances were now that Murray's in form, but I kind of think that's a redundant question. That is, with you know, at the moment, you know, Murray's not Murray's not going to give that shirt up to anyone. I don't think. Um, so, um, I you know, it's, it's a redundant. But Sonogo obviously joined to play games, and I don't know. Is there is he is he going to get any game time? Do you think, uh, Mr. White, Yaya Sonogo now? I don't like to slate people. I know we've been here before with Patrick and we've had this conversation, but I just, it's when, the problem is when you have someone like Murray who just chases everything down, you know exactly what you're going to get. He goes for things he, he knows he's not going to get and you bring Sonogo on who is the type of modern player that won't do all the industrial things that Glenn Murray will do. It it, it brings Sonogo down because you think, oh, he's not trying, he's not working hard. He's clearly a very talented footballer because he wouldn't have played at, at this level. He wouldn't have got to the other teams um, that you know that he did play for. But it's just, hmm. I just can't see him playing consistently for Palace. And he's come. I think it will be Murray's got booked with 20 minutes to go and we'll bring Sonogo on because I think Pardew's going to be wary of that that second yellow being picked up really easily because he'll be targeted even more now Murray he goes down pretty easily as it is but I think that's good target man play you launch the ball you gain yards he, he comes he hits the deck and, and you gain yards but you, you can you can see Sonogo and Amiobi mm. being the impact for, for Murray because the way that Murray performed yesterday the way that Murray performed against West Ham is working there were two different styles of games we played differently in both games and he was effective in both of them mm. Alex yeah, P he was, yeah, cool. yeah I, don't, I don't want to tempt I don't want to tempt fate, but um, you know, if, once we get to that position where we are safe, you know, I'd love to see some of the youngsters get a chance. You know, likes of Jake Gray, you know, um, a few other players like Alisani, other players that are you know, young enough and, and probably you know good enough to get their chance at the end of the season when you know we've got a lot of dead rubbers. Because you know, I think it'll be quite difficult to, to beat last year's position of 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 eleventh. But um, if we can, you know, blood in a few youngsters, it would be much more beneficial to the club than, you know, bringing the likes of Sonogo or Amiobi. Amiobi's probably going to be off in the summer. Sonogo will be back to Arsenal. And I just think that it'd be a, a, a waste, you know, give, not giving these players a bit of experience. Mm. That's a fair point. Um, I, I think that certainly um, uh, Boating is a shout for, mm. for getting a bit of game time in the midfield. Um, but Maybe then Kai think- Kai if he's back. Yeah, um, I think. I mean, I'm obviously on Mappy. He's been out on Cambridge. He gets a reasonable amount of game time out yeah. there. Um, yeah, Innes. I, I think. Um, I don't know. Innes has got injured again, hasn't he? He went out on loan yeah. to Port Vale, and, he, and he's he's got himself injured for the rest of the season, by the sounds of things. But it's just. Um, I don't know, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? You want young players to get a chance, but at the same time, the young players do have to be good enough. Um, 
and it's kind of almost almost a catch twenty two. You don't know if they're good enough until you try them. But you can't try them in case they're not good enough. Well, and, well we saw we uh, saw with QPR, they brought on a youngster, didn't they? That towards the end of the game, and you know they've they've got no, they have nothing to lose, and you know we're going to have nothing to to lose at the end of the end of the season if we if we do get to, you know enough points. I don't want to tempt fate, but um, it looked seemed quite likely. So you know why not? I just we're our, a team that's famous in bringing in youngsters and why not give a few, a few youngsters a chance I know Pardew didn't really do that much at Newcastle but there's no risk and you know it, it means that they could probably get a chance in the Championship on low next season so you know I, I think it's not a risk at all OK well that, that's an interesting point um, I'd say I, I think there's always argument isn't there over protect, pre- mm. protecting the integrity of the league keeping your, your form yeah. going uh, you know and keeping this rit- the rhythm going for the players that are in the team and all this kind of <laughs> <Sorry>. stuff <laughs> Did you say integrity in the Premier League? <laughs> Sorry. Just with the no, refing no, and all that. No, I counted no, well, eight handballs yesterday. Eight bloody handballs that the ref didn't spot. The ref, I've got to say this, it wasn't on my topic, topic of discussion. But the, we've, just because we won 3 1, we don't really talk about it. But the referee was, Lee Mason, was absolutely awful. Oh. Just truly awful. And, and, you know, and to be honest with you, it was more, more for us. It was for QPR. He let so much clear, you know, just absolute clear fouls go, and we got certainly opening for sort of ten minutes or so. We a couple of players got absolutely clattered, and he didn't pay any attention to it. There were basic things going wrong, wrong thing, wrong people being given throw-ons. You know, just just truly, truly terrible. Go on, Alex. Why lay into him? I just. If for consistency reasons, and I speak about this every week, and it winds me up even more every single week. These guys need to go on a boot camp in the summer, for God's sake. There was one that Sean Wright Phillips did. He absolutely wiped out. It might have been Joel Ward as they were, as we were sort of breaking back. He didn't do anything, but that exact same challenge Glenn Murray did and got booked for. I don't get it. I don't. I'm not complaining about the booking because I believe it was a booking. But you have to be consistent in that decision. And it was laughable. It was the one with the newer. Not many people saw this. He got booked. He then dived in. I can't remember who it was on. The referee put his whistle in his mouth and was yeah. about to blow the for the foul. But he knew if he blew that whistle, he had to send a newer half, and he didn't do it. Why? Because he hasn't got the balls to do it. And that's the problem with the Premier League. We saw it the other day in the Champions League. Chelsea players surrounded them. Neil Warnock said it. We need to be more aggressive. We need to be on the referee. We just Referees need to man up and just make their decisions based on what they truly believe rather than thinking about other influences. And it has to change. And if it doesn't, it's just going to get worse. It's a tough job and we have got a decent standard of Premier League, of rest in the Premier League, but the consistency has to improve. There's two bang on from the chat room there. Yonecti saying about uh, the ref doesn't wave play on when Yala got grabbed by the ankle. It's by Cole Henry. Cole Henry already had a booking. And um, and then he grabbed Yala's ankle as he ran past him. And it was only there was a subsequent foul by Sandro, and Sandro ended up getting the booking. But and again, that's exactly what you're talking about, Alex. He didn't have the bottle to make the right decision and give it for the first foul, which would have given us the correct advantage by sending off Cole Henry, who is useless, by the way. Um, but you know, instead, he, instead he took the easy option of booking Sandro for a foul that wasn't really a booking. They both um, should have been booked. They both should have yeah. been booked. Yeah, it's a fair point. Actually, if you book one, you've got to book the other as well. And mm. also, Booted Eagles said it was a stonewall penalty on, on Yannick Velassi. And that wasn't the first half when uh, Delaney had a little bit of a volley straight afterwards. But there was a clear foul on Velassi, who, you know, he usually plays with a massive smile on his face. And even he was furious for that. Couldn't, absolutely couldn't believe nothing was given. Uh, I do have to mention that um, Andrew Windsor has given the man of the match vote to Alex Manos. So well done for that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just to catch up on that from earlier. Um, all right, look. 
I was going to ask various other questions, but we've got to talk about um, two other subtopics: the HF protest and the take and takeover talk as well. So um, I was going to ask: Are we safe now? Some of you seem to think yes. Some of you might think no. Um, how high can we finish realistically? But those are things we can ponder another time. I was also going to give a quick mention to Clint Hill and talk about him for a while, but we won't do that. Other than to say, it was nice that he got a good reception. Um, and it was also nice that he gave a good reception back to the Palace fans as well. Um, great player for us and amazing that he's still playing in the Premier League in a lot of ways because um, we all thought he was past it when he left us. But um, great player and, and obviously changed the game for them as well. Came on and shored up the defence and looked like the only player who, who really cared properly for them. Um, and obviously he only knows one way to play the game and that's uh, 100%. So nice to see him again and you know he deserves better than that Ravel I think. So, Homestale Fanatic protest. Um, I, I'm going to do my absolute best to present this in a balanced way. I know there's a lot of people very negative on it, and obviously the HF have their view on it. And um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as to try and get someone on to explain about what it was. I, I think I can do a relatively balanced thing on it. But uh, I think basically, let's talk about what happened first of all. What happened was that. Um, the HF made the decision that they were not going to give um, their standard type of uh, backing. They obviously they clapped and and you know cheered goals and all that sort of stuff, but they didn't give the constant backing throughout the game. There was no drum uh, and there was no sort of co coordinated songs. And people have been um, they feel that this was a very very childish action by them. Um, but a lot of people don't know what it was about, um, which in itself probably suggests to you that the protest wasn't really the wasn't really done in the right way. If you don't know what it's about, then you know the, the reactions are be bad. But fan reaction has been overwhelmingly negative, and I, I have a degree of sympathy on that. But um, guys, can I get your first your reaction, so de depending on what you know? What was your reaction to it? Um, I'll start with you, Nick. I'm going to work work round. So, go on, Nick. What did you think of it? Um, well, I didn't really notice until somebody had told me after the game. When they said there was no drum, I thought, oh, yeah, there wasn't a drum. And the, the chance did seem to be coming from, from other parts of the ground. But um, mm. I'm, I'm a little confused as to why it is I've heard that a couple have been banned for, for moshing, for want of a better mm. word, and, and that these two people are actually two of the people that are responsible for the displays. And, and it, it's a little bit difficult because it, it, it goes beyond... The, the supporters in the corner making a lot of noise because from what I understand that they, they have quite a lot of contact with the club and I know there's there's positive mm. stuff like getting the, getting a section at Wembley when we're in the playoffs and um, somebody in the chat room I won't name them for for reasons that I can't remember who it was but said that <laughs> you know they've had says in a say in who the managers are being picked are going to be and you know they they they're kind of um, Oh, what's the word? They, yeah, they they have a bit of a say in how the clubs run, and and quite a few people around around the grounds don't like that either. Um, okay. I've seen some videos on YouTube where um, the back of Block B are pointing at the front of Block B, chanting "Little Boys." Um, other reasons are that because of the coin throwing incidents, which I totally deplore, that um, because of the extra CCTV that's going in, um, the protest was against that. I'm not um, unless they come out and make a statement as to why the pro there was a protest. They, they might have done. I don't know. Then they, they I gave can't really comment on the game. 
they gave out flyers before the game, which just sort of, were sort of explained the situation, and just uh, it was it was quite strange because they're, what they're saying is that the, the cameras obviously been brought in because of the coin throwing um, are being sort of exploited. You know, they are used in a different way to what they're intended for. You know, the, the cameras were brought in to stop people, you know, from throwing coins and getting into incidents which you know sort of disgraced the club of late. And they're saying that they're being used for the wrong reasons, you know, for this moshing yeah. that 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 have been happening. And obviously, the the the, the person who brought this in is the the person who was responsible for the Brighton Wall. I think a couple of seasons ago, with the uh, you know, if you remember at Sellerst, um, you had the, yeah. the wall of police officers, you know, uh, going across outside the ground. Protect. Well, I can. Um, I'll give you some bit more information on that. The yeah. point uh, back in, I think it was back in October or September, a guy called Adrian Roberts, who's a former chief yeah. superintendent, um, who was uh, heading up the police response for the Brighton game and, and involve it was yeah, his his strategy involved the, the wall being erected before and yeah. after the game on Homestow Road. It involved kettling of supporters uh, down towards Norwood, which actually ended up in huge uh, running yeah. battles between supporters because they were directed to the same place at the same time. It was also responsible when Charlton were direct supporters were directed down a particular street in Norwood, uh, which had sort of some of the worst vandalism we've ever seen to people's property uh, because it was done at the wrong time and it was very poorly managed. And he is a bit appointed as the head of safety and security at, uh, at Selhurst Park. The club made that appointment. Uh, there was a article in the Croydon Advertiser about it a fair while ago, and the club refused to, refused to have any comment on it. But but the guy's been appointed there, and I have you know I didn't know that until I read the um, the flyer that the EHF had actually put online. So. Um, I was very, very surprised to see that. I've been in a meeting where Adrian Roberts was present. Um, and to say I was unimpressed is um, is, is somewhat understating the matter. Because, Let's get um, him on the show. He, he was directly... At, he said something... He, they were talking about how to... Basically, they were talking about how to manage Palace fans. This, before the wall happened, they were talking about how they were going to manage Palace fans mm. um, uh, when Brighton came to town. And... And basically, we were talking about um, the transport police were talking about how they handle Millwall fans and were making the point that you don't keep home supporters behind. And he was saying, no, well, it's a smaller amount of supporters to manage um, the away support. So we get the away support out first. And, and the transport police and myself go, no, look, you don't do it. You don't. Mm-mm. You do not. It's, it's just one of those it's things bizarre. you do not do. You, you, what you do is you let. The majority of the home support yeah. that want to all want to go home and all get out of the way, they'll get out of your way. Get them out of there first. You, you do not, under any circumstances, keep the home support. And it was completely at odds to what he believed. So it, where his intelligence came from, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, um, we, we might come back to that. Uh, but I want to get to the point of what it was actually about before. I think what we'll come, come back to, we'll, we'll say at the end, is what we all thought whether the protest actually achieved what it set out to achieve or what it... Because I don't think it did. I think what the protest, protest actually did was give people a lot of cause to be really fed Thanks. up with, yeah. with... Yeah, to get fed up with... Our, they, they, you know, you almost felt... People seem to almost have felt betrayed by the HF's actions, yeah. that they actually let people down, that they should that it ended up punishing the players and other supporters, you know, for giving them a lack of atmosphere for something that they weren't really had any, didn't have any control over. And whether or not that's the right form of protest, I think, mm. personally, I don't think it is. The HF may think that it is. I don't know. Um, but it was actually about exactly what you were talking about before, that, that there were two people banned, I believe, for moshing. Now, I want you to have a little think about this, right? Okay, what is moshing? Who, who's defined moshing? 
where where do we find out where it's defined and who's judging whether what you're doing is moshing? Because how do I know when I go to Sellers Park that I'm not going to be celebrating a goal with my mates and jumping around and celebrating it, and I might be accident I might accidentally mosh. Can you believe yeah. that? If I yeah. if I accidentally mosh, I might have to hand back my season ticket. Right? Do you see what I mean? Like I don't like that. I don't like the idea that someone might someone I don't know who doesn't know me might watch me on the ca- camera and go. Yeah, he's celebrating that goal a bit over exuberantly. That's definitely moshing, and I might not be able to go go and watch football anymore. Mm. You know, that that that's the bigger picture here. Is it's not about it's about people people in the homestyle fanatics being banned. Yes, yeah, okay, that's that's you know it's about that in this case. But the wider the wider situation is that two football fans have been doing something that they've not been verbally abusing people. They've not thrown any objects at anyone. Um, all, what they've done is they, they've done something that's been categorised as moshing. Now, have you been to gigs in the past and you know what moshing is? Obviously, jumping around and maybe overly aggressively, something like that. I don't know if they've been warned about it before. I don't know any of that information. Well, isn't but, it? Isn't it? Sorry, Chris. Sorry to interrupt. Isn't it? Isn't it when people put their arms around each other? Isn't that because I've seen that sometimes in the in the in in block in block B and block A where you know people put their arms around and you know so you see it you see it in European leagues where people jump up and down with their arms you know the Poznan yeah, with yeah, Man yeah. City fans. It, it could ha- be. Sorry, it could, I say it could be, but I mean when I went when we talked about it loads of times on this show when I was celebrating the goals of the Amex when we were one three one, I ended up about twenty five rows down lying on my back <laughs> crushed by loads of other fans. <laughs> So I should probably should just have handed myself into a steward and said, sorry about that, I overreacted. Please ban me. Doesn't uh, help that you've I'm... got a top hat. You're going to be well seen with a top hat on. What? what are you, you're, making a refer- you're making a reference to a picture that no one else can see, Nick. I hate it when you do this. <laughs> um, here you go, Urban Dictionary. Moshing. Moshing, a dangerous genre of dancing related to heavy metal rock music, usually done in a crowded area by pushing, shoving and jumping. The denser frontal part of the console gig, we usually have the craziest dancers, just trampling and crowd surfing. Well, um, Coach, maybe Coach not. Matt. Maybe not appropriate. Go on. Coach Matt says, well, if that's what moshing is, then some of us families in the family end are guilty too when we score. And Kosowski in the chat room, wholeradio.net slash chat, which, well done, everybody. We've had record crowds in there tonight. Thank you. Um, exactly, Hamburg. Most of us go effing nuts when a goal is scored and we end up in the row below. There you go, yeah. Chris. Um, yeah, go on. I don't think anybody would disagree with the sentiment and everything that you've just said that that is unacceptable. I, I for one, believe that's completely unacceptable to ban ban people for that, kick people out for that. But the one thing I would say is that that needs that's an issue that needs to be brought up one with the club and with mm-hmm. the the police. Whatever that's that's not the players' issue. And I'm all about getting behind the players and 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 just giving 100% support. And I was actually criticised by a Palace fan. They said, "Oh, you're going away." And I said, "Yeah, of course I'm going away. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Palace fan. I go away and support my team." And and they were talking about the ticket prices. And mm. I don't believe that. I think ticket prices are too expensive. I agree, but that won't stop me supporting my my club. I will go out and break my back and whatever it, whatever it does to 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 afford to go and support Palace because I love Palace and I believe that if I'm there. And and I'm and I'm supporting my team. That's what I need to do. I need to get behind the players and and do everything that I can. This issue is nothing to do with the players. It's nothing to do with every other fan sitting in the stadium. We need to come together and do what we do best. We recognise the best fans in this country because that's what we do. 
come rain or shine, if the players are playing well, if they're playing bad, we sing, we're loud and we support them. This is completely an issue with the club, with Steve Parrish, do whoever you want to talk to, but not for the players. And people say, yeah, well, we still won 3-1, so it doesn't matter. It does matter. This, this can't continue. This needs to be an issue that we take up with the club. Not, not the players. We need to sing and get behind the players. And if there was abuse between between our own fans, come on, we're not Millwall. Let's not start singing at each other. We sing together for our own players, abuse the opposition, and and just be Palace fans. Be Palace fans, not a political party that's trying to prove something. Let's take that. That let's leave that outside of the football ground. That that's something that happens on the outside. I'll come, I'll, 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 this is a really impassioned speech, and I. I agree with a lot of it, and, I, and I'll come back to that, Alex. I'm give Patrick a quick chance to speak. Go on. It, it was just very strange because I didn't know the um, what was going on, but you could tell watching on TV that something was going on. So I went to Twitter very quickly, and that's how I found out about the the moshing and the the, the ban. But I'm with Alex 100. You've got to be there to support the team. If you're not going to support the team, why would you even go to the match? HF comes off with a lot of protests. You know, they put their signs up and all that. And you know what? I've got you know I've got comments on that. But you know, if they want to do that, that's fine. But you're going to go into the ground. You should support the team. And there was a noticeable, for me, before we scored, a noticeable uh, lowering of the, of, the, of the atmosphere. In fact, the commentators were actually saying it just didn't feel like, you know, Sellers Park because obviously they're used to the, the drums and the singing. So mm. for me, it just, it just didn't seem the right kind of protest. And I read the program and Alan Pardew's comments, he went out of his way in the match program yesterday to actually praise HF what they've been doing to make create the atmosphere. And for them to do that yesterday, for me, was just the wrong thing to do. I get the protest. I'm all for protesting, whatever. But to me, it just didn't seem right. You've got to be there for the players and for the team. And that's why, that's the problem I have with it. I don't have a problem with, I don't particularly mm-hmm. understand uh, what is going on as far as, uh, you know, the ban. But I don't think that's the right way to go about it. And I think that's what's going to cause them to have the problem because a lot of people are reacting negatively. If you're supporting the team, you support they, the team. Yeah, they have. And look, I, I, I'm kind of on that point myself where I, I've, I think the actual reality of it, the actual reality of the protest was it made a lot of people feel really uncomfortable. And I do think that part of that, there's a really good point made by um, Daniel Hughes who just got in touch and said, um, or was it Bob White? Uh, Daniel, Daniel Hughes might have been something else. Bob White, I think it is, who said... Um, as a group, we were too reliant on the vo- their vocal performances week in, week out. Saturday proved we need the other 20,000 to sing too. And it's kind of that point that the, that, that kind was, of point I think made the comment. That was Daniel Hughes. Bob White's right. uh, comment was, uh, in reality, most Palace players probably don't care about their action or rather non-action. Okay, yeah. And again, I, yeah, maybe, maybe the, the players, are, it's not really the case. I think I'm focusing more on the fans and I think a mm. lot of fans felt uncomfortable in in a fairly sterile environment, maybe I think a lot of fans felt a little uncomfortable that um, they didn't have the thing that was usually there to keep them singing, and and they they couldn't go to their mates. Did you see how great we were this week at Sellers Park? Because we weren't because the HF weren't singing. I think there's a bit of truth in that, um, but I I really do I do wonder whether or not that there I don't know what the alternative is for the HF other than a protest like that, to try and raise this issue. Would you, would you read the, the flyer if they didn't do that? Would, would we be talking about it if they didn't if they do did, that? If they didn't go to the game, if they, yeah, if they, want, to do a proper, if they want to do a, a proper protest, mm. don't go to the game. I, I agree with Patrick. If you, go in, if, you go, if you go into that stadium, I believe you, you back the team regardless. Would they, not, would, they not get the, would they not be getting the same grief now if they didn't? If they, hmm, whoops. Um, <laughs> sorry, producer Mikey just invited me to an Xbox Live party to distract me. That's annoying. I'd say, would they not be getting the same grief now if they, um, 
you know, if they didn't turn I up. Less. I, 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 I don't, grief. I don't I know. Think, I, I think they get more yeah. grief. I think that'll yeah, yeah. make them it'll, it'll divide the, the two groups of supporters even more because you, you know if you, we've seen teams especially in, in Europe in the Italian leagues that turn up to the, the ground maybe 10 minutes later or um, 15 minutes later and um, you know to protest, protest over certain issues and if, if the HF did that there, there would be absolutely carnage in, in the homestead and I, I think this is the only way they could have done it maybe a silent protest but again that could have divided two groups even more you know I, I, feel, I feel a bit sorry for them because they've sort of given the 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 club a bit of character and something that sort of sets us apart from other other teams in the Premier League and you know if we if you if we look at the support you know ten years ago all right we were loud but Fanatics have given us something extra something to sort of stand out from the crowd you know they've given us new songs they've given us these eye-catching displays they're giving you political statements all right I know sometimes the banners can be a bit over the top at times but maybe they just got bored of banners and thought this is the only way forward for us to get a point across and you know you've got to respect them for that but you know I'm you know you but again it's it's one club it's we should all be united and I think maybe they should educate educated you know fans of you know, before going to kick off, because it's just seemed out of the blue, just on match day, these flies all scattered about on the floor of, of the concourse at the homestead. It just, it was just, a, it was poorly executed. I think if they'd have educated the, the fans a lot better in on in the forums on Twitter, then you know the fans would have, uh, the rest of the fans at homestead would have understood, and there wouldn't have been an angst between the two supporters. And it's it just, just one of those things which is poorly executed. And you know, I feel sorry for them, but you know, this is something that's just totally unfortunate and unacceptable. And you know, right. it, it, we can't be losing some certain supporters because of, you know, tedious rulings, you know. OK, okay we're going to have to wrap this up quite soon. Uh, but very, very quickly with you, Nick. Uh, you make um, the point you're going to make and then I'll try and wrap this up. Be interesting to see if they've, they've banned them because we've got possible new owners coming in and we don't want any, any troublemakers uh. because we don't want to... Um, Put the put the book on the the intended takeover. I I actually think I I like the HF pr- protesting banners because they have got a worldwide audience, and I do think that the worldwide audience do need to know what what the the greed is in the Premier League. I actually agree with that part of it. I know lots of people don't, but we we've all got a thing for Palace, haven't we? Whether we're in the family stand, whether we're in the Stevenson Lounge, or whether we're you know, no matter where you are, as long as we can all get behind the team, that's all that matters. Yeah, well, there's, there's loads. There's a couple more points I wanted to discuss, and maybe we'll we'll do it in the future. But I'll just say a couple of things on those. Uh, was that Coach Matt thing that when we score in the dads? Did you say that earlier when we score the dads? In no, the I haven't said that yet. I do that <laughs> with my son. When when we score, the dads in the family normally throw their kids up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I do that. I mean, sure, surely that's dangerous. They yeah, exactly. Ban the, the kids and the dads for that. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I think that I'm going to make a, a serious point on this now. Look, I do think that um, the HF maybe if they if they 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 I'm sure they knew that the the negativity would come their way when they made the decision that they made. I really hope that at some point that they can they can figure out um, figure out a way they, of, of getting. Uh, some attention on on these issues um you know wider attention that you know other fans focus their attention on these problems that they're actually trying to fight against and trying to put you know views across about i hope they can find a different way of doing that and then then, then you know contributing to a, a sort of a, a sterilization of the atmosphere at sellers park but i do understand that it's something that's within their control and that that is noticeable it clearly is noticeable but i hope there's a, a slightly less negative way of doing it but the nature of surveillance at football i think is a really big problem if you travel away a lot you'll also i'm sure you'll have a view on this as well um 
you get an awful lot of attention at, at certain grounds that's completely unfair. You get stewards uh, acting in ways that are completely unfair and unwarranted. Uh, you get you know various different match day stuff, and I don't want to see that coming in at, at Sellers Park. And and I think when it does, I think it needs to be raised because you're still looking at a situation where two individuals have been singled out on CCTV. A CCTV that was put in, well, it, sh- it should be there. It shouldn't be there to spot people during the game. You shouldn't have someone sitting in a control room going, they're misbehaving, they're misbehaving, I can ban that one, I can ban that one. They should be there for you know retrospective action or, or to try and stop a serious incident. They shouldn't be for punishing people for and misdemeanors and I, I, that's for me it's incredibly wrong i've just noticed that it's <laughs> 550 saying will he sign off by saying take care of yourself and each other i might i might it is a bit jerry springer um <laughs> but i also noticed that people saying um if you're do- that people said if you're doing nothing wrong you won't get into trouble well that assumes that those people who are making the decisions about whether you're doing something wrong are honest and, and are competent and re- reality often proves otherwise reality often proves that the people making those decisions are, are vindictive and were bullied as children because you know that's the sort of people who want those jobs i mean i might be being a bit extreme there but and i was essentially referring to every anyone who ever who joins the police force but um anyway I'm going to start getting myself in trouble if I carry on. So, um, look, just I would say have a think about it. Have a think about how you feel being being watched at a football match and what people might be judging about what you're doing. And you know, my my genuine concern is that you know people might start getting. You know, we. How many of you stand up at a football match? Well, you know what? Now the CCTV can see you standing up. We used to say you're not going to get a letter through the door one day telling you that for persistent standing you can't come to Sellers Park and they're going to sell you to, to a tourist. Some, yeah, people get, um, yeah. some people get phone calls and bans for persistent swearing, don't they? They do. Apparently. They do, yes. Don't <laughs> talk about that <laughs> under any circumstances. <laughs> so, um, I think it's time to finish, Chris. We've got, we're going to talk about the takeover because it might happen. Uh, let's talk about it when it has happened. How about that? Yeah, uh, just a very, very quick word. Well, yeah, let's talk about it when um, when it does happen. But a quick word on it. Obviously, gathering pace. There's plenty of rumours uh, going around at the moment. There's some if you, interesting articles if you haven't read them already. Looking Financial Times, uh, Telegraph today is very, very interesting. Uh, lots of people now being named as supposed. It's essentially a Wall Street takeover of uh, of Crystal Palace. Hopefully it'll be a little, little, little bit like the Wolf of Wall Street and um, can all have a lot of fun with some incredibly unpleasant people. Um, not sure really that's the right message at all. Um, take care of yourself and each other. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.